from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Welcome back to CRI podcast, It Figures. Uh, my name is Alan Jowers. I'm a partner with Car Riggs and Ingram in our Destin office. And uh, with me today is Chad Branson. And Chad, introduce yourself for everybody out there in Cyberland. Yes, thanks, Alan. And uh, as he mentioned, my name is Chad Branson uh, with Car Riggs and Ingram, uh, also a partner, uh, audit partner in the uh, Destin Miramar Beach, Florida uh, office. I'm also not a, a CPA, but also a CAM, a community association manager. Yeah, and likewise, I'm the same. And uh, we're here uh, today to talk about condo legislation in the state of Florida. Uh, both Chad and I deal with a lot of condominium and homeowner associations in the state of Florida. Uh, I think we work, consult, and, and do financial statement stuff with um, over 800 associations all the way from, from Perdido Key in the northwest all the way down to Key West. So we, we, we deal with that a lot, and we've been involved with, um, with changes in the legislation that, that came about um, during the 2022 legislative session. But I think in order to really understand those, those legislative changes, you, you kind of have to go back to the, to the event that's, that was the genesis for these changes. Um, and that event was, was a tragic event, happened around 1.30 in the morning um, in Miami Beach in a little um, community called Surfside, where a 12-story condominium building collapsed in June of 2021. And because it collapsed in the middle of the night, most of the residents and the guests who were staying at the condo were, were fast asleep in their units and the, um, the building collapsed and 98 people lost their lives. Um, 40 people were managed to be rescued, most of those from a, from a small part of the condo that did not collapse. There were, I believe, four that were pulled from the rubble. And, and of course, that had a big impact um, in the state of Florida and really nationwide as people started to look at changes that could be made um, really to, to make sure that nothing like that ever happened again. Um, so there have been several investigations that have gone on to try and figure out what the, what the cause of that was. Actually, there was a, a, a piece on 60 Minutes not too long ago that detailed some of those investigations, including a federal one um, that may be going on for, for quite some time, uh, really to try to, to determine the cause of, of that collapse. And so the, that collapse was uh, really the genesis for the legislation uh, that, that came about in the Florida legislature. And um, it was really looked at kind of from, from two different uh, angles, if you will. And if, if you remember back to your, your civics classes from, you know, yesteryear when you were in middle school in eighth grade, and um, you, have, you have the two different sides of the Florida legislature, or the two different sides of, of legislatures in, in the United States. You have a House and you have a Senate. And each of those sides has their own bills that they can file. And then those bills kind of come together 
in a, in a reconciliation process uh, and, and the hammer out differences. And then once the, once the House and the Senate agree, then it goes on to the uh, executive uh, branch, the, the president, obviously, for the U.S. Uh, and for Florida, it goes to the governor. Uh, and the governor signs it, and once everybody's happy and it's all put together, you end up you end up with the new law. And so, really, what the the Senate side of this was looking at was was trying to identify what the causes were, and and one of the key causes uh, from this collapse was obviously defects that had that had happened. Um, over time with the building. And so the Senate really kind of focused on um, we need to inspect our condominium buildings as they, as they age and, and really look at um, uh, going through a, a structural engineering process to look to find uh, if there were, were outward signs of significant distress or outward signs of significant structural um, damage that needed to be, to be corrected. And really that's kind of the side that, that the Senate was pushing um, to really bolster up that. There are, there, well, there are programs in Miami-Dade County and also in Broward County of, Fort, of Florida, so that's your Miami and Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale areas, and um, both of those counties require inspections when the building turns 40 years old, and so the the Senate was looking at that. It was uh, Senator Bradley was kind of pushing that um, uh, package through the Senate, and they were really looking at kind of making that program not just um, effective for those local uh, counties, but really kind of pushing it um, all the way through the state, having something similar um, going along statewide. The other side, the House, was looking at it kind of from a different perspective. And what the House looked at was we don't need to focus on inspections because the problem with South, uh, uh, with the Surfside condominium, with the Champlain Towers South, it wasn't that they didn't know that they had issues. Those issues were documented um, in, in reserve studies that the condominium had had, in engineering reports. Um, uh, there's all sorts of documentation leading up um, to the date of the collapse that shows that the, the condominium board, the association board, the people that were kind of in, you know, in charge of the, the maintenance and the, and the uh, upkeep of the condominium, they knew they had problems. And they, they were undergoing that 40-year um, inspection at that time, correct? Uh, I think they were right at 40 years old. That's right. correct. Yeah, that building was it. It was built in the early '80s, and we're talking about uh, the year of 2021. So it it was in that. It was certainly in that process. Um, and so what the house talked about was it wasn't the fact that we didn't know what the problem was. It was the fact that there wasn't enough money. Uh, that the association had not saved up enough money to address the issues that they knew about. 
Um, and if you're not familiar with, with condominium and homeowner association operations in Florida, um, there are rules on the books that say that, that um, these associations are supposed to save up over time for their future major repairs and replacements. So think about um, we're going to need to replace the roof in 10 years and it's going to cost us a million dollars. So therefore, we need to save $100,000 a year for the next 10 years so that when the, uh, the roof needs to be repaired, we've got the money there to make those repairs. A lot of associations in the state of Florida, they exercise their, their right to waive that funding. Um, so they save relatively little. They don't save up for the roof repairs that are needed or the painting that is needed. And instead, what they do is they fund that through a mechanism called special assessments at the time when they need the money. So rather than saving up $100,000 a year over 10 years, they get to the point where they need the million dollars to re-roof, and then they collect that million dollars at that point um, through a special assessment. The problem was, and Chad, you know this, the problem was with respect to Surfside, the amount was such a large amount that when they went to special assess, the people that were in the condominium that owned the units complained that the amount was too high, was too much. I see it a lot, right? And so, so from the house's perspective, um, the the issue was not that they didn't understand the problem. The issue was they didn't have the money to fix the problem at the time when, when they needed it. And, uh, well, we, and we've seen the, the financial statements um, from the Surfside uh, Association, and I can't remember exactly, but I, I think they had determined that they needed to save approximately $850,000 uh, each year to meet their um, uh, to meet their savings goals, if you will, to save up for those future major repairs. And I think one year they had saved maybe 150, and then in 2021 they had actually budgeted to save nothing that year. Um, understanding that, there's, that there are pressures that the people that own those condominiums, some of them may have been on fixed incomes, some of them you know, may not have been able to afford um, uh, higher assessments and so uh, there's there's real pressures on that but one thing too I think we've all learned is that uh, waiving reserve funding is a recipe for disaster uh, similar to the, what we uh, saw in this case definitely for sure um, so so you have those two very different um, uh, vantage points, if you will, the Senate looking at the milestone inspections, the House looking at, um, at assessment funding and, and funding for those future major repairs, and they could not come to an agreement by the time that the regular session of 22 uh, had ended. And I believe it was mid-March is when the regular session ended and they could not reach an agreement. The House and the Senate couldn't negotiate the bill um, to be 
what they both wanted. And so it kind of looked like we weren't going to have any sort of, of condo reform, even though we had had such a catastrophic event. And then the governor, as he can do, he called a special session of the Florida legislature in May uh, for a couple of very specific topics. And actually, this topic was one of the ones that was added to um, added to the list for that special, uh, special session that happened in May. And in the meantime, between the end of the regular session and the start of that special session, the House and the Senate um, were able to negotiate. The, the members were able to meet. They were able to negotiate kind of a, a, a compromise, if you will. And when it came to the time for the special, assess, uh, special session of, of the Florida legislature to take place, they were able to pass that legislation really, really quickly. Uh, in fact, it was passed unanimously in both the House and the Senate, um, and the governor signed it pretty, pretty much right after that. And so uh, it became effective as a law um, at that point in, in May of, of 2022. It was almost kind of like world record speed to, uh, to get a bill through the House and through the Senate and to the governor. And I think it was important to do that. It was important to, to have uh, a response to, um, to the tragedy that, uh, that occurred. Um, it may not be a perfect response. I'm sure that as as we move forward into future legislative sessions, there'll be there'll be tweaks and there'll be things that will be um, fixed, uh, like there typically are in legislative sessions. But um, really, um, when the bill was was crafted, when it was passed, it really made two major changes to condominium rules and regulations to the statutes as it relates to, to condominiums. Um, and those two major changes really kind of reflect the, the two different viewpoints, the one from the House and the, and the one from the Senate. So from the Senate side, we have this new um, requirement now to do milestone inspections. They call them milestone inspections um, for condos throughout the state. And then the second major change that they have is that now we've introduced a new concept uh, called structural integrity reserve studies. And, and then we have some required funding as it relates to those structural integrity reserve studies. So Chad, tell us a little bit about the first one, the milestone inspections. Um, and kind of what some of that has, has led to for condos in terms of new regulations and, and new statutes. Yes, and I, I think the biggest challenge with the milestones uh, inspections is, is there enough engineers uh, out there to complete these milestone inspections? And there will be two levels. Uh, one light and the other one, we, we say yeah. heavy, I guess. Phase one and phase, phase one, two. Phase two. And so with the, the light study, uh, an engineer is required to go out on property uh, and perform uh, visual inspections of the, the buildings and determine if there's any uh, potential um, visible problems. And that, that level one is crucial uh, that it, it's done correctly by a licensed uh, engineer. Um, and, and if the entity passes that level one, 
uh, then they don't have to go to the level two. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And but if they spot issues that are potentially uh, behind the walls, then they will move into the phase two, and then an engineer uh, would go in and and actually dig core samples into concrete. Um, actually, it's more of an intrusive uh, uh, study uh, to be able to determine what's the extent of the damage, uh, focusing on you know structural integrity. Um, I think our biggest challenge will be, is there enough people, um, uh, engineers in the state of Florida to be able to form this milestone studies right. uh, by the deadline? And the deadline is? Well, it depends on how old your building is uh, and how close it is um, with proximity to the coastline. So um, all condominium buildings in the state of Florida that are three stories or taller are subject to this requirement, this the new milestone inspection requirement. If you are located within three miles of a coastline, and the coastline is defined in the Florida statutes, um, if you're within three miles of the coastline, you have to have that milestone inspection done by the time your building turns 25. So if you've got a building that's 25 years old and three stories or more in height, then you're on the hook. Um, if you are outside of three miles from a coastline, then you have until your building turns 30. Um, so you have, it's 25 years and three stories if you're within three miles, it's 30 years and three stories if you're outside of the three miles. And then that milestone inspection has to be re redone or updated every 10 years. Um, and you're 100% right. There's like 30,000 condominiums in the state of Florida and, you know, 800 structural engineers. And it can be an engineer or a licensed architect that can perform that. Um, but that, that requirement is, is coming on board. And if your building is already 25 years old or 30 years old, depending on how close you are, um, then you have until December 31 of 2024 to have your milestone inspection uh, completed. And one of the things that's interesting about that milestone inspection is not only does the condominium have to provide that to its unit owners, positively provide it, they also have to provide that inspection report to uh, the local building authority, either the county or the city or whoever it is that has uh, authority over the building code, they get a copy of that report as well. And any of those things that you talked about, like the structural damage, anything that gets identified by the engineer, in reality, they have 180 days to fix that. And if they don't, then the building authorities um, have a responsibility to take action. And so we've seen instances where condominiums have been condemned by local building authorities because they have what are perceived to be significant structural issues. Uh, I think there's a couple of them in the Daytona Beach area that the last time a hurricane came through, it kind of washed out all the sand from underneath uh, the condominium and those condominiums, I think there were three or four of them right next to each other, uh, they were all condemned until they fixed the problems because they didn't want a, a reoccurrence of what happened uh, with Champlain Towers. 
So those milestone inspections are very important. That's going to be something new going forward. Many associations are going to have to have that by 1231 of 2024. And if you've got a newer building, you know what your deadline is, either 25 years or 30 years, depending on how close you are to the coastline. And then the second thing that came through really came through from, from the House side, and that's the Structural Integrity Reserve Studies. I think some people call them SIRS, some people call them SEERS. I don't, it's not a department store, so I call it SIRS. Um, but what you have is there are certain components that are integral to the structural integrity of that building. So things like the roof, the load-bearing walls, the exterior painting to keep the salt water out from decaying the rebar, um, doors and windows, foundations, you know, things that are, that are part of the structural integrity of that building, the association is now going to have to have uh, a licensed engineer or architect come out and have a reserve study done that's going to estimate when are they going to have to repair or replace those structural items and how much is that going to cost and that has to be done for all associations three stories or more again by 1231 of 2024 so all associations three stories or more are going to have that reserve study in place and then what comes after that is really what the house wanted which is Starting after 1231 of 24, those associations can no longer vote to waive the funding of those reserves. So the, the, the funding of the reserves to repair the roof, to repaint the building, to repair any damage that might occur to walls or, or floors or foundations, um, those associations will have to uh, start saving up for that so that at the point when they need the money to make those repairs in theory they will have that money um, and so that's really the, the the other big change is having those associations needing those reserve studies and then once they have those reserve studies in place they're going to have to start funding those amounts um, saving up for those future major repairs and replacements and I, I kind of think that's going to be a shock and awe moment for many associations that have deferred assessments for, for many, many years. And we see that. Some, some associations are well-funded. Uh, in some associations, year after year after year, they defer crucial maintenance. And I think the, the initial um, studies uh, will start to open up the eyes of many owners that deferred maintenance is no longer going to be accepted. Uh, by the Florida State Legislators that association owners and boards will be held accountable uh, to fully fund their reserves going forward. That's right, that's right. And you, you know, you think about it, um, there are people who live in those associations who have the mindset of, I will fund that repair at the time when the repair is needed, but I don't want to fund it today because what if I don't own the association unit when it comes time to repair? And there are a lot of retirees in the state of Florida, and they will say, I probably won't even be on this earth when the time comes for those repairs to be made. So 
why do I need to fund them today? Um, and that's been a thought process that's pretty common um, across the state. And I think what the state has said now is, we're not gonna give you that opportunity. You're gonna have to start setting aside the money. It is gonna be a big increase, uh, I think, in the, in the monthly costs uh, to, to live in one of those associations. And there'll be, um, I'm sure, some weeping and gnashing of teeth uh, as it relates to that, because you'll see um, significant increases in the cost of ownership. Um, but that's, that's part of, I think, condominium life is, is saving up for those, for those future major repairs. And I, I do think this will give uh, boards more leverage. I think sometimes, like in Champlain Towers, you know, everyone knew that they needed to levy a special assessment. Uh, it was quite substantial, uh, and they were getting pushback. Even in our own area, we have an association that's made the news that uh, the board wanted to levy a special assessment, and uh, immediately the homeowners wanted to recall the board. Uh, and say, no, you can't do this. And you're thinking, but is this structural integrity type items that need to be fixed? Uh, so I do think it will be good. Uh, it looks like the laws are holding boards more accountable than they ever have before. If they don't act uh, when they are given information, they have specific time frames that they will need to act and be held accountable. Um, so hopefully uh, it, it sounds like this is gonna be a positive change uh, to help pre prevent us from ever having another um, collapse like we saw in Surfside. Right, and I think that's really the ultimate. That's really the ultimate goal of the Florida Legislature and everybody involved in the process, is you know, 98 people lost their lives that that early morning, um, in just a, a, a tremendous tragedy, and um, we we don't have we don't have the stomach for another incident like that, and so what can we do today, from a policy standpoint to to make sure that something like that really never happens again. So again, just to give you a real quick, uh, real quick recap of the significant changes, um, the first item is that uh, associations will need these milestone inspections uh, going forward. The deadline is uh, December 31st, 2024 or when your building turns 25 or 30 years old, whichever is, uh, is later. And those milestone inspection reports uh, will be uh, presented to the unit owners and they're gonna show um, what issues could be and what needs to be fixed with, with your condominium building. So milestone inspections is number one. And then the second item is the structural integrity reserve studies where we're going to have an engineer come out and assess those structural integrity components. There are nine of them plus a catch-all. And um, the, the associations will have to take those reserve studies and, and fund those without being able to waive funding for those specific critical structural integrity pieces. So with that, Chad, any last words? Uh, no, I think a lot of uh, boards and associations will have a lot of questions in the near future um, to be able to uh, discuss things like reserve studies and understanding that the reserve studies performed in the past are going to look different going forward and that we may even have multiple reserve studies, some for items that are not structural integrity items, such as pools and 
um, uh, paving and other items that aren't specifically relevant to the to the actual building itself. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll have a lot of questions, potentially even law changes for all we know. We'll, we'll see what the future holds. Great, great. Yeah. And so uh, thanks, Chad, for being uh, with me today. Um, anybody who's listening to this, if you have questions, please reach out uh, to CRI. We can help you if we can. And uh, thank you for, for tuning in to the podcast, CRI It Figures. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review.